Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. off a couple weeks ago, um, the word of the year. And the word of the year that we believe for Bethel is the word step. The word step. We believe in 2023 that God is asking each and every one of us to take a step. And so he's calling us to either step out. He's calling us to step in. I believe for some of you, he's calling you to step on. And for some of us and most of us, he's asking us to step up. And these are what I believe he is asking us to do in 23. And this is why we actually have to be open to him speaking to us. Because you have to be open to hear him say, hey, it's time for you to step out. It's time for you to step into some things. It's time for you to step onto some battlefields and step onto some stuff that I've called you to. It's time for you to step up to what I've actually put in your heart that you've been placing off, putting off because you've been nervous or scared. This is the year that I believe he's calling you to take a step. And it's not the person beside you, it's you. And Proverbs 16, verse 9 says this, In their hearts, humans, you and I, plan their course. Every one of you has a plan. You should. Every one of you has a plan. You probably, some of you have set goals for 2023. But then the scripture continues and it says, But the Lord establishes their steps. What does that mean? That means you and I can plan all we want, but God is going to guide us and he's going to lead us. So when all of a sudden you go, you know what? I had all these plans for 2022 and man, it didn't really work out. I don't know what happened. I got sidetracked. God. Sometimes God sidetracks us because we don't spend enough time to go, God, actually, what is your plan? Because our plan, our idea for success is different than God's. So therefore, when we set plans, when we set goals, which are healthy and right, understand, I believe that you should plan, you should prepare. God honors preparation. Okay, don't just wing it and say, I'm just flowing in the spirit. No, no, God honors preparation. Okay, so we should plan, but we should be listening to the Father As we look at taking a step this year, today I want to look at one of my favorite people from the Old Testament. One of my favorite people from the Old Testament name is Elisha. And I just love Elisha. I don't know why, I just do. I like his story, I like who he is and his call on his life. But the call of Elisha is actually a unique in biblical narrative. It's actually a unique one. And here's a little bit of the story behind it. The story is, it starts in the, uh, the book of Kings. In 1 Kings, we're introduced to uh, Elijah. Why we put Elijah and Elisha together in the same stories, I think it's just God's sense of humor to go, have fun telling these stories. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about Elijah and Elisha. And so just because I think this is God's sense of humor. At least for me, because if I mess it up and you're like, I think that was, just go with it, okay? All right, so we find Elijah in 1 Kings 19, we find him hiding in a cave, okay? He's hiding in a cave from the wrath of 
Queen Jezebel. This is right after uh, Elijah calls fire down from heaven. How many of you believe that if you called fire down from heaven, that the next day you would be hiding in a cave scared? How many of you think you would be walking around a little bit like, man, I'm actually pretty awesome? (laughs) Elijah goes from calling fire down from heaven, killing a whole bunch of false prophets, yes, killing them all, to running away from Queen Jezebel and hiding in a cave to a point where he tells God, take my life. So if you ever experience with God spiritual highs and spiritual lows, welcome to Scripture. That's not to discourage you. That's to encourage you that if all of a sudden you're like, hey, you know what? One day I felt like I was on top of the world, on top of the mountain with God. Our spiritual relationship, my connection was amazing. I felt like I could do anything. I felt like I could call fire down from heaven. And the next day, I was so depressed, I could barely get out of bed. Elijah knows what you're dealing with. Okay? Elijah understands. So these things are things that we don't want to happen and walk through, but when it happens, don't let the enemy go, oh, you suck. Realize it's all the way through Scripture. And in those low moments is when we're supposed to get back close to God and realize that when we call fire down from heaven, if you have, that's amazing. So I'm just referencing Elijah. But when he calls fire down from heaven is reminding, I was able to do that because I was close with God. So our connection to the Father is so important. So right after this, he's expressing his loneliness and what's happening as being a servant to the Lord. In response, God tells him to get up, anoint a couple kings, and... Go and get Elisha as his own successor. Elisha is going to replace him. Together, these kings and Elisha, they are going to purge Israel of God's enemies. While Elisha is totally unaware of this plan, he's off just plowing in his field. He's off just doing some farm work, and he's plowing in his field with 12 pairs of oxen. Elijah Elijah passes by Elisha, Why couldn't it be like Elijah and Bill? (laughs) So Elijah passes by Elisha and casts his coat on him. And when he does this, Elijah, Elisha leaves everything. Now, this is also, just so you understand, this is the only instant in the Bible where a prophet is being consecrated by another prophet. It's the only one. So let me read to you in the scripture what's happening here. Acts, or 1 Kings 19, 19 to 21, it says this. So Elijah went from there, found Elisha, son of Shahap. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his colt around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left 
him, went back, he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become, I love this, his servant. So when we talk about stepping out or stepping in for God, Elisha is so important. God calls him to step out from the life he has. What you have to understand is for them to have 12 oxen plowing, that means Elisha's family is well off. His family has some means, they have some money. So when he steps out for God, he's leaving all of this behind. But here is what's amazing to me for Elisha. It's not enough for him to step out and leave it behind. He burns the plow and barbecues his oxen. He didn't have a plan B. He burnt it. What we have to understand is many of us, when we step out for God, when we step into what he has called us to, I am shocked at how many young people want to go into ministry and talk to their family and say, I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor. And their parents say, okay, but I want you to get a real degree first. So the degrees that we have just aren't real. No, I want you to have something to fall back on. See, when God calls you, what we have to understand is this. There is no calling that is easy. Elisha's life was not roses. But he went through things and he walked through things because he knew the calling. What if when kids or teenagers or any age adult says, I feel like God is calling me into ministry, what if instead we saying, well, just make sure you have something to fall back on? What if we said, I see that in your life. I believe that. And I'm going to begin praying for you now because I know that the enemy will try to discourage you. I cannot do what God has called me to do without my prayer partners. I have three men, and they sit in this room right now, and I text them weekly, try to. They'll call me out on that. But I cannot do what I do without them. When I am speaking, yesterday Melissa and I were in London and sharing at some seminars and I knew that they were praying for me in that moment, and it helped me communicate what God was telling me to communicate. So what if, as a church, when we hear people say, I believe God is calling me to this, that we don't pull out our religious magnifying glass and go, well, here's all the things I think are wrong in your life. So I don't know if God's calling you to ministry. Please don't ever look at my life with a magnifying glass. Because you will immediately realize how much God uses imperfect people. What if 
We didn't have a shortage of pastors and leaders today because people started looking and going, I believe God can use people. You know, when I read scripture and I read who the apostles were even before Jesus showed up, and then when I read who they were after Jesus showed up, and God used them to change the world. I will tell you today that there are people that live in the Ottawa Valley that would be totally blown away that this is what I do for a living, that God has called me to be a pastor because they know who Chad McLaren was in high school. They know who Chad McLaren was in his late teens, early 20s, before he recommitted his life to the Lord and said, you know what, I should probably stop being an idiot. Not that I'm still not an idiot, but now it's a little more restrained, right? God calls the people that we actually are shocked by. That's why his son was born in a stable and not in a kingdom. Because it messes with religious people. I believe there are people in this room, and I'm not even going to look at teenagers. I believe there's adults in this room that are called by God. And here's the frustrating part for you, not for me. You know you are. But you had a few hiccups in your life and somebody said to you like, oh, maybe you're not called. And the enemy grabbed that seed and dug it deep in the ground and made sure he fertilized it with all of his fertilization. (laughs) And it grew and you feel disqualified even today. And God is sitting here going, I want to uproot that seed because there's a gift in your life that he needs to use right now, right now. Some of you feel called and it scares you and that's okay. Do you know, I tell people all the time, I realize I've been in ministry now for just over, I just lost the whole date. 14 years. I think I've been in ministry 14 years. I've been a lead pastor now for six. Melissa and I are coming up on almost 10 years here at Bethel. And I tell people all the time, they're like, hey, your church is doing this and this. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'll be honest. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and they laugh just like you do. Because they're like, he's joking. I'm dead serious. I wake up every day and I ask God, God, just help me today. Because I'm the exact same as you. If I ask God, okay, God, five years from now, I want the whole picture. It's going to scare me. And see, scripture tells me to worry about today. That's enough. So the one step that I have to take is just a step today. And then tomorrow, I just have to take another step. I believe there's so many people that God is calling you to step out and to step into what he has for you. And you're just holding on to plan B. See, here's the thing. After this scene, we don't hear Elisha's name again. 
until 2 Kings chapter 2. It's four chapters later. And I know for some of us, we're like, yeah, it's four chapters. I read that just the other day. Four chapters of somebody's life is not the 30 minutes it took you to read it. When Elisha is reintroduced, Kings, the book of Kings, presents him as inseparable from Elijah. Wherever Elijah goes, Elisha is there. He's that, he's that intern. He's that co-op student. He is that uh, college placement that is attached at your hip. To a point where Elijah is actually telling him, listen, you stay here. God's asking me to go do this. And Elisha's going, no, wherever you go, I go. And we see this until chariots and horses of fire from heaven come and separate them. So leading up to this in chapter 2, we also see that uh, Elijah and Elisha are going to the school or the sons of the prophets. And they belong to a school that Elisha and Elijah talk and teach at and visit on a regular basis. Now the students at this school, they actually turn to Elisha with their questions. So what this shows us already, that even though they're still together, the prophets that are in learning, they see Elisha as already considered as an authoritative prophet. So he's still under Elijah, but people are still going to him for knowledge and questions and asking what's happening. So even before his formal succession of Elijah's office, Elisha is still, he refers to Elijah as father. So other people see him as authority, but they, uh, he still approaches Elijah as father, still as a servant, still underneath, still serving. So the day of Elijah's departure, Elijah asks Elisha what he can do for him. Elisha asks for a double portion of his spirit that rests upon his teacher. And we, the amazing thing is we see this fulfillment of this request is confirmed soon as he goes away. And he goes with the chariot of fire to heaven. And then this strength in the spirit of Elisha enters into his public ministry. See, what happens with some of us, and maybe some of you where you got frustrated or you felt you weren't called into ministry, you thought God called you, he called you out. But if we watch and we see, what happens is Elisha steps into the training for all of us, when we step out for God, a lot of times we have to step into training. See, even Jesus, before he started his ministry, he got baptized, he comes out of the water, the heavens part, what looks like the spirit, a dove comes down and rests on him. They hear from heaven, this is my son who I'm well pleased. How many of you immediately are like, I'm called? I'm just going to go start ministry right now. Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days to walk through his training for ministry. See, the issue is for some of us, 
we get called, we step out, but we're not willing to step into the training. And then we end up like the Israelites who stepped out of Egypt, but they stepped into the wilderness for their training. They didn't do their training correctly, and they spent 40 years in the wilderness instead of 40 days. So some of you might be sitting here and be like, man, Chad, I hear you. It's actually stirring in my spirit that God has called me. But man, it's been so long, I don't know if I'm still called. Maybe you're just an Israelite and your 40 years is up. Some of you are doing the math. Yeah, it's been about 40 years. If it's 38, don't feel disqualified. Learn faster than the Israelites and step into the promised land. I believe God is calling you. The training is key, but we also have to make sure that we leave plan B behind. And I know there's some of you in the room right now, you're strategic, you're well-planned, you have future planned, which I think is healthy and good, but you're like, Chad, having something to fall back on is really good. And I do not disagree until it's a way out. I've worked lots of different jobs in my life, and most of those bosses still own the companies they own. So I know that if something happened here at Bethel Church, that I could call a couple of these bosses and be at work probably tomorrow. But that's not a way out for me. That is me knowing, okay, God, you have me. But when things get tough, I don't pick up the phone. That's not a way out. When things get tough for me, the only phone call that I'm making is prayer. And what I mean by that is I'm praying. I'm not calling people for prayer. I think it was Joyce Myers. She said, and I love this quote, many of you have to stop going to the phone and go to the throne. We have to realize our strength is in Jesus Christ. Elisha stepped up to his role. And this role was a big role. He actually participated in state affairs. He was the advisor of kings and a teacher to those who dedicated their lives to the Lord. Through his connection to Elijah, Elisha's reputation was well established in Israel. He was able to step into things and, and have respect because of who his teacher was. To the point where the king of Israel, Judah and Edmund, journeyed to seek his guidance. Elisha performed many miracles, some of which were parallel to those of his teacher, like parting the Jordan River. He does some great things. He heals the water of Jericho at the request of the city's elders because he threw some salt in the water. He provided endless oil for a widow so she could pay her debts. He purified a stew that was poisonous and multiplied bread and grain for the sons of the prophets so they could eat. He also healed Naamah the commander of the Syrian army. Elisha was more involved in military affairs. He gave advice 
Uh, his advice from the Lord to the kings of Israel and Judah prevents the Moabite army power from succeeding their rebellion against Israel. These are the things that he walked in because he stepped out when God called him. He was willing to step into training that he needed and he was ready to step up and cause change and do the mighty work of God. We read in 2 Kings 13 that Elisha was so anointed and filled with God's power that when Elisha was dead and buried, the Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. And what we read in, sorry, reading in 1320, it says this. Now the Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Verse 21, once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. They were burying somebody. They saw the raiders come and they went, forget this. Let's get out of here. Just chuck them in there. That's what they did. He lands in Elisha's tomb. Continuing the scripture, when the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood to his feet. We read some of this stuff and we just pass over it. Understand, it says when it hit his bones, he's been in there a while. <laughs> this is the anointing that was on his life. Elisha was called man of God. At first, this title appears to be straightforward, but Elisha works on God's behalf, so it's fitting that he's called man of God. However, this is also a loaded term in this area. It's first used to describe a leader and their excellence. We see it with Moses. Even then, Moses is known as such during his life, but only in memories of him. He wasn't known as a man of God while he led. It's interesting. But afterwards, we see in Scripture him referred to as a man of God. You don't understand your impact here on earth. Many times you won't know until you get to heaven. I remember, I don't know how many years ago it was. It was many. It was probably when we first became lead pastors here that I came up to do announcements. And as I was doing announcements, I was looking through the room and, and people were standing and, and literally just in this back row right over here, I saw a couple, and I was looking at them, and you'd be amazed what I can see from up here, just so you're aware. <laughs> but I see this couple, and they stand out to me, and as I'm watching them, here's what I'm trying to figure out. How do I know you? You look so familiar. And then it wasn't until I was done, I walked off, I sat over here, and we continued in worship that it hit me. You're from Pembroke. And so I grew up at the Pembroke Church. So I walked back and I just tapped them on the shoulders. It's their first time in the church. And the lead pastor's like, excuse me. <laughs> so they turn around, they look at me, and I'm like, you're from Pembroke. To which they're a little bit shocked. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, you probably don't recognize me. And here's the thing. If they looked and saw my name on the website, 
I have a different last name than my mom has. And so therefore, they wouldn't have put it together. And I said to them, I said, I'm Barbary's son, to which her mouth just dropped. This lady used to hold me in the nursery and would pray over every child she held. When you have the opportunity to serve in our kids' ministry, yes, opportunity, you don't know who you're teaching, you don't know who you're praying over, you don't know who you're holding, and I'm so sorry to say it this way, you don't know whose diaper you're changing. This lady went home after church. And when I mean home, she drove to Pembroke. It's like seven hours. When she got home, the first thing she did was call my mom. When you have the privilege to serve, you don't know who you're investing in. You don't know what God is going to do in their life. And I'll tell you, I didn't leave that church till probably, I'll say, 10 years old. It might have been a little bit earlier than that. She may have thought there was no chance for me. But when she saw me standing up here, she had a part in that. So I believe, and I say it all the time, but I actually don't know if you believe it, if you are still breathing, so do me a favor, just take a breath for a moment. Did that work for you? you everybody's good? Okay. Check your neighbor. They're alive. If they're sleeping, give them a little nudge. Don't shockly wake them up. We don't need a shock here. If you are breathing, then God has a purpose for your life. He wants to use you some way to minister for him. Here's how I know that. When Elijah was done, he was taken away. When God is finished using you, he'll take you away. Maybe not on a chariot of fire, but he will take you away. So if you are still breathing today, he has a purpose for you. He wants to use you. Elisha was a man of God. When he began to step for God and with God, when you begin to step, sorry, when you begin to step for God and with God, you will be in awe of him, of God. This is the thing. It's not about you. John Piper, he says this, if you don't see the greatness of God, then all the things that money can buy become enticing. If you can't see the sun, you will be impressed with a street light. If you never felt thunder and lightning, you will be impressed with, with fireworks. And if you turn your back on the greatness and majesty of God, 
you will fall in love with a world of shadows and short-lived pleasures. That's powerful. When we keep God as our number one in our lives, everything else will take its rightful place. God's greatness is all around us. We just need to be close to him. A boy asked his father, Dad, what size, what is the size of God? How big is he? So the father looked up at the sky and he saw a little plane in the far distance and he asked his son, what is that? What is the size of the plane in the sky? And the boy replied, it's really small. I can hardly see it in the sky. Then the father said, son, let's go for a trip. Put his son in the car and they drove. And they drove to the airport. And he goes, son, I want to show you something. The boy jumped out of the truck and walked with his father and As they approached the plane, the father asked his son, Now, son, how big is this plane? And the boy looked at the airplane and said, Wow, Dad, that plane is huge. It's a lot bigger than the plane I saw in the sky, isn't it? And then the father said, leans down, puts his arm around him and says, Son, God is like the size of this plane. This is the same plane you once saw in the sky from a distance, and it looks small. God's size depends on how close or how far you are to him. The closer you are, the bigger God looks. How big is God for you? Are you close to him? Or are you a little bit too far? Do you believe he can do it, or do you have doubts? Do you believe that God can use you and work through you? Here's the amazing thing when it comes to Elisha, one of the coolest stories I love. It's a bunch of the armies were walking for days, and they ran out of water for the army and and their animals, and they came to Elisha like, what do we need to do because we have a fight, we have to battle. And Elisha says this, and I'm going to read it from my phone because... I have the message version, and I love the message version for this scripture. It says this. It's not on the screens, but it's 2 Kings 3 in verse 16 and 19. And it says this. I love the fact that so many of our students are taking notes. As I, just as I say that, so many of them began writing because they knew it wasn't on the screen. No, no, you're giggling, but none of you are writing notes. Not none of you. Sorry, that was wrong. Uh, most adults are not writing notes. I point it out because these students will remember this scripture verse because they wrote it down. And so students, good for you. It's a practice that will stay with you forever. It says this, and this actually goes along with taking notes. Oh my goodness, I actually didn't mean that. Because, let me explain it, 2 Kings 3, they come and say, we need water for our horses. We need water for our men. And he says this, 2 Kings 3, 16 to 19, he says this, and then he said, God's word, dig ditches all over this valley 
Here's what will happen. You, will, you won't hear the wind. You won't see the rain. But this valley is going to fill up with water. And your army and your animals will drink their fill. This is easy for God to do. Now, here's the amazing thing. If they didn't dig the ditches, the water would have never stayed. It would have just went right through the valley. They had to prepare ditches in a place where they saw no rain, no water, to hold water. Some of us have to prepare ditches for what God is going to do in our lives, even though we have no idea or no concept of understanding how he's going to do it. So how do I see and make connection with taking notes? These students are writing things down that they're going to need later. And because they have it on paper and they hit a tough time and they go, what was that verse? They can go back to their notes and go, oh, here it is. Where many of us, we get into, you know, let's be honest, for many of us, we get to tomorrow. We won't even talk about Wednesday. And we'll like, oh, I need an encouraging verse. What was that verse that Chad said? Oh, I'm going to have to go to YouTube to find it. Oh, that's, a, forget it. This army, if they didn't prepare before God moved, would have missed it. I believe God is asking you to step up or step out or step in, but you need to prepare. What is he asking you to prepare today? Prayer team, will you come? For many of you in this room, God is asking you to take a step this year. You're going to hear this for the next few weeks. But this morning, I believe he's asking you to prepare yourselves. He's preparing you for what he has. See, Galatians 5.25 says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Elisha took his first step and never look back. This morning, I believe some of you are supposed to take your first step. And what I ask you to do is to step forward and let people pray with you. Now, why do I ask you to do that? I ask you to do that because you're actually physically taking a step to that will impact the spiritual step. But then also by stepping, it's confessing to God, I know you're calling me to do this. I know you're asking me to do this. Now hear me. I want you to know that most people, when they say, this is what God is asking me to do, they are at the most, I'm going to say the most, maybe some of you are more, but at the most, 75% sure. So if you're sitting in your seat, well, like, I feel like this is what he's asking, but I'm not 100% sure. I should wait till I'm 100% sure. You'll never move from your chair. God just asked for one step. And the way we stay in step with the Spirit is by connecting to him daily. So my question for you this morning is, what's your next step? What is he asking you? What has he already asked you that you put off? And today he's reigniting that flame inside of you. So let's stand together. I'm going to close this in prayer. And as I'm praying, the altars are open. And so if you know, hey, I am supposed to take a step this morning, come. 
Let them pray for you. And I'm actually asking you, like, don't worry even right now if I'm talking. You can move. Don't wait till I'm done praying. Come. And here's what I want to encourage you. Some of you might be like, well, I'll take a step if somebody else takes a step. I'm going to wait for that first person to take a step. What if you're the first person that somebody else is waiting for to take the step? And so, Father, I thank you that you speak to all of us. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you have actually called so many of us to do great things for you. Lord, there's many people in this room that you're asking them to step out. And that doesn't necessarily mean ministry, like pastoring. But, Lord, you're asking them to step out in a business adventure that, Lord, you're going to bless so they can bless ministry so, God, you can do things even greater through them. And so, Lord, there's so many avenues that I believe you're asking people to step out in today. It's not tomorrow. This isn't something you're asking them to wait and to weigh and to figure out. You're saying, I've given you enough prodding for you to step now. And so, Lord, I pray for that courage. I pray for that boldness that, Lord, we know that we are supposed to step out for you this year. And so, Lord, help people to take that step today. Lord, I pray that there's just a uniting in this church. Lord, not just for the loss that we prayed for, but, Lord, a sensitivity to exactly what you're asking us to do. Every day we're wanting, Holy Spirit, are we in step? Are we listening to you closely enough to know when you're calling us to step up and to step out and to step in and to step on? Because, Lord, this is what you want for them. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray for a fresh move of you today. I pray, Father, that you touch lives and change lives. That, Lord, as we leave this place, we are a light for you. And so, Lord, give us boldness. Give us passion in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Please go and receive prayer as well. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you. And that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 